Hello and welcome to the Vaccine Challenge. Our mission is to speed up the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine by bringing to light all of the supply chain and distribution challenges involved with this mega task and by connecting the various stakeholders that can benefit from working together. I'm Priyanka and we're in conversation with Katrina Little, President, Global Forwarding and Expedite at XPO Logistics. Prior to XPO, Katrina has also been on the shipper's side working at Johnson's Controls for over 14 years. The reason I'm really excited about this conversation is because XPO is one of those unique providers that assist in vaccine deployment throughout the supply chain, right from the first mile to the last mile. And so they bring a very well-rounded and unique perspective. I've seen many heartwarming stories of their people that have been on the front lines since the pandemic began, right up to today. The essential nature of their work along with thousands of other frontline workers, has kept our way of life moving forward. I'm looking forward to chatting about some of their initiatives and challenges making this possible. Hi there, Katrina. Thank you so much for taking out the time to chat with us. Really excited to do this. And I'd love for you to get in uh, with a little bit of an introduction to yourself, as well as your role at XPO. Thank you so much for having me. XPO is a global leading provider of transportation and logistics services. We've got more than 100,000 employees operating across 30 countries. And what I love about the organization is that we partner with more than 50,000 customers across every major industry, everything from home appliances to apparel and pharmaceuticals like we're going to talk about today and everything in between to really make sure that our customers can deliver for their customers. So in such, you know, technology is a big part of who we are, and it's created better ways for us to move products and get them into the hands of people who need them. And we're hearing all kinds of great things about the progress we're making against COVID, and we're still very much in the fight of that. And that's why I'm really proud of our company and what we're doing. So, you know, we're on the front lines, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit about that, but we owe a debt of gratitude to our frontline workers. At present, um, I lead XPO's global forwarding and expedite divisions, and we actually move vaccine, uh, leveraging the temperature control fleet in our expedite division. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so many different things that XPO does, and as someone that's been in the industry for some time, it's, it's fascinating to see number of different touch points that XPO has. But for today, I'd love to focus on the vaccine efforts that you guys are leading, right? So first of all, uh, how did XPO even get into the vaccine transportation business and how are carriers selected? Because that is not an easy process and it obviously needs different direction as compared to anything, any other simple commodity. Absolutely. So we got into the space, really we've moved pharmaceutical products and vaccines for many, many years. So this is not new to us. Uh, we're a known entity in the space, but obviously the COVID vaccine poses a whole set of different and unique challenges. But some of these vaccines, we move with temperature validated and temperature controlled trucks. Um, we understand the processes and the procedures required, and we have the enabling technology to move the product safely, which is one of the key reasons that we're selected to move this product. Uh, we also, we have extremely high standards. So this fleet of temperature validated trucks, we've got validation devices to ensure that the temperature is controlled and remains consistent. We've got extremely strict standards for trailer conditions for the transportation of vaccines. And we also offer unique security and visibility. So using our XPO Connect technology platform, we're able to provide customers with real-time visibility into their freight, their freight status, up to the minute delivery tracking, We've got eyes on every truck and the customer has the ability to have their eyes on every truck. So thanks to our expertise in this area and our longstanding relationship with the pharmaceutical providers, we're able to adjust to these unpredictable environments and have had the privilege of moving the vaccine. That's awesome. I, I can imagine 
that all of this comes with many, many unique challenges, right? We always talk about the good stuff. What I want to know is what are maybe the three biggest challenges that you're facing in the work that you're doing in this space? So the three areas I think that we focus on the most are supply, vaccine supply, our capacity, and then the environment that we need to make sure that those vaccines maintain their temperature and their environment. So first thinking about supply. So as we've all seen, you know, the supply vaccine has changed over time and it's improving, but it's still continuing to evolve. And we're seeing more stable volumes of vaccine for manufacturers. So that really helps everyone. But of course, as supply fluctuates, that brings us to our second challenge, which is capacity. So capacity, when I think about capacity, it's not really just about specifically moving the vaccine, but it's all of the other items that are associated with the vaccine. It's PPE, it's syringes and saline and you know the products that are necessary in order to actually inoculate someone. Uh, so we've worked really closely with our healthcare customers to provide the capacity necessary to make sure that we can move all of those items. Also things like gloves, masks, gowns, and other hospital equipment. So we're making sure that those products are where they're most needed. And um, while people have the PPE they need right now, we're constantly monitoring this and we can scale up as necessary, which we've done throughout the pandemic. And then the third that I mentioned is maintaining the environment or the temperature when we are moving vaccines. So like I mentioned a few minutes ago, we're experts in the temperature controlled transportation space, but that really requires constant diligence because any small variation in the environment or the temperature can have an outsized impact when the products are this critical. So we take that really seriously and maintain those very high standards. Got it. Yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, the vaccine can get where it needs to get, but everything else that's required in and around it, if um, if the value chain or the supply chain of that breaks, then it's a little bit all for naught. So it's, it's kind of cool to hear that it, you really touch upon the entire ecosystem of what's required for the vaccine. And of course, the cold chain requirements come with it. I'd love to hear a little bit about the distribution operations itself. You know, what are the different variables that affect the operations? What does the supply chain of it look? We're moving product from multiple facilities to both air freight hubs and then to either distribution centers or cold storage. And then in some cases to final distribution or to the final point of use. So we're working with the major pharmaceutical and distribution companies and partners that are leading this effort. And we've been doing that really since the beginning. The specific product transportation requirements differ by product. So how we transport the vaccine is specific to that, that particular product. So for example, some of the vaccines have to be stored in ultra, ultra low, you know, very strict temperatures where others don't. So we use cold storage packaging solutions and passive cooling devices to maintain those temperatures when it's necessary. And um, typically then next step is once the vaccine arrives at a distribution center, it's then deconsolidated and parcel and formed into parcel shipments, and then sent to final point of use. So where the vaccine doesn't require cold storage, we actually can facilitate the movement of that vaccine through our non-temperature controlled transportation network. And so there's still a lot of work to be done across the whole supply chain to continue the smooth rollout of the vaccine. But you know we use whatever capacity we have available for temperature controlled storage, whatever is necessary. And then one of the most important tools I think that we have at XPO is the flexible capacity. So we can move the product safely, quickly, and securely, no matter what the product requirements are. Got it. That's interesting. I mean, so there's there's so much work that you do chain space. I'm curious, because the COVID-19 vaccine is taking up so much of the capacity, does this affect 
any other industry or any other commodity that would have relied on the existing cold storage infrastructure before the pandemic happened or before the you know before the need for the vaccines happened that's a great question so we really haven't seen any major hiccups in in other spaces but right now capacity in general is tight across every part of the market the the nice thing about moving the vaccine is that there's equipment that's specifically designed to move that type of product or that we have kind of specifically set aside for that type of product. So that's what it's there for. Um, we can use that equipment for other things as needed, but it's really there to move pharmaceutical products. And there's plenty of capacity right now in the market. It just, but it does create a tightness and it does add to the general tightness that's happening across all sectors right now um, in really in North America. Got it. And then, I mean, uh, I think, XPO specifically has a very unique position in that, you know, you guys have, uh, you know, play in first mile, the middle mile and the last mile, uh, you know, not a whole lot of companies uh, can claim to do that, right? There's folks that work only in packaging in the last mile, or, or, you know, or one specific area. Because you have the end-to-end visibility, where do you think is is the bigger challenge then? Or the biggest yeah, challenge? Think, yeah, I think the biggest challenge really, and where probably capacity is the tightest is the parcel, the final the final mile parcel delivery to point of use. And I say that only because of the volumes. I mean, when you're moving a full truckload of vaccine, there's roughly 280 to 300,000 doses of vaccine that you can fit into a full truckload. But then you parse that out to the number of doses that you're going to be providing to one specific facility that gets put into a parcel delivery network. And that can clog up the, the delivery network a bit. I think that the whole industry has really come together in an amazing way to make sure that, you know, that the right things are being prioritized, so that the vaccines are getting kind of safely and securely and quickly to where they need to be. But I would say that that right now is probably the most challenging portion of the supply chain as far as getting the product into the arms of, of the folks who are being inoculated. Got it. That makes sense. Let's talk about security challenges. I can imagine that with any kind of high profile good, you know, it comes with its set of security challenges. This is perhaps most treasured item, or at least one of the tre- most treasured items uh, at the moment. How do you guys deal with, you know, and any kind of counterfeiting or nefarious behavior? There's no doubt about it. You're absolutely right. So what we do is we have regular meetings with you know, pharmaceutical and healthcare companies, and we talk about these opportunities and challenges. So obviously, like we've talked about, you know, the vaccine is priority one, two, and three really across the whole industry. And there's a concerted effort by XPO and others uh, to make sure that the vaccine arrives safely and on schedule. And we've got a really nice connection with um, the pharmaceutical companies, the healthcare companies, the distribution partners to make sure that that happens. So in some cases, you know, there can be local police escort with trucks, For XPO, we take some specific steps. For example, if we're moving a temperature validated truck that's got this product in it, we require team drivers. So someone must remain with the truck at all times. We make sure that no one discusses low details with anyone other than the XPO, the shipper and the consignee, because we don't want anyone to know, know driving down the road, whether a refrigerated truck has got produce or has got 280,000 doses of COVID vaccine. So the trailers also have to be preconditioned and we set, you know, we get them to set point at least two hours prior to the scheduled pickup so that there's no wait time. And of course, we require padlock and lock plate, as well as the the other visibility measures, like knowing where the trailers are and where the trucks are at, at any given time, both for the shipper and for XPO. 
And then we also follow the industry best practice of not stopping within a 250 mile radius of the shipper once loaded, unless of course the destination is within that radius. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it's quite crazy that all of this needs to happen, you know, and that it comes with the security challenges, but that perfect sense. So that's, yeah, that's just really interesting. Let's zoom out a little bit. What are some of the other ways that XPO is supporting the vaccine rollout or even just COVID relief in general? So we've been supporting companies indirectly supporting the distribution since the beginning as well. So we've seen an increases in shipment of non-refrigerated products, like I mentioned, saline and syringes, but we also support transportation of PPE um, all over the world. We are moving things like hydrostatic sprayers and the disinfectants for those sprayers. Um, we're supporting shipments of things like styrofoam and dry ice, refrigerant, temperature control packaging, plastics and labels. And then there's also a high demand, as you can probably imagine, for a lot of products that are being used for COVID treatment, like sedatives and inhalers, antivirals, over-the-counter cough and cold medication and things like that. So we're working closely with the healthcare customers to make sure that they've got the products that they need, and we're providing them additional capacity as needed to make sure that they're stocked um, so that they can, can really manage not only the, you know, the vaccine, but also the relief efforts necessary when someone's ill. That's amazing. Uh, you mentioned dry ice. That's something that definitely catches my fancy. You know, before the pandemic happened, dry ice was something that was just, it, well, for me anyway, restricted to, hey, if I wanted to take ice cream back home, um, you know, there was a little bit of dry ice. Now it's a part of everyone's lexicon. I, I'm curious what happens. So, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, the, the packaging happens at the, at the manufacturer, right? Like at the pharma company, at the factory floor before it leaves. But is XPO even a involved in like producing that dry ice? Are there other parts of the value chain where additional dry ice needs to be included? What are maybe some of the challenges that comes, you know, in with respect to that? Yeah, dry ice is actually a fascinating product. So we do not manufacture dry ice, but we can transport the dry ice. And really dry ice is being used as a passive cooling device. So Passive cooling just meaning you don't have to have any, any external energy in order to create that environment. So some of the packaging has dry ice in it. Like you said, it keeps your ice cream cold and keeps it from melting, but it also, it reduces the difference between the temperature, obviously inside a package that's contained, that contains dry ice in the outside environment. So it allows you to keep things at an ultra cold temperature where perhaps you need to be even below the threshold of what a specific facility or trailer can manage. You can add dry ice and reduce the delta between the inside and outside temperature. So it allows you ultimately to keep things even colder. So it's a great, it's a cool product. And I think it's a fascinating way that it's being used. Um, but we, we do not manufacture it, but we do transport it. Got it. That's interesting. Now, are there other partners that you work with in order to help with the pandemic? I can imagine that this is not an effort that can happen in isolation or at least can't happen as successfully as it possibly can uh, when working with folks within the ecosystem that can enhance or amplify uh, the speed with which we actually manage to get this done. So would really love to hear what kind of interesting unique partnerships uh, XP has built. Absolutely. So in addition to the manufacturing companies and the healthcare partners and then other distribution partners in the network, Throughout the entire pandemic, we've been coordinating with New York City's Emergency Management Department, and we've provided them 24-7 logistics support. So we've been responsible for, you know, emergency distribution of supplies, which include things like MREs, which you wouldn't even think about, but at, at the beginning of the pandemic, that was really a critical item. 
um, over-the-counter medical products, rubber gloves, sanitizer all over the place, um, water and blankets, cots, baby formula when that was necessary, and other emergency supplies. So our teams have been mobilized and working closely with government officials to make sure that these critical supplies were reaching New Yorkers and healthcare professionals where they were needed. We're also helping our healthcare customers maintain their operations. And throughout the pandemic also, as you probably can imagine, shipments into hospitals have been way up. Um, they are up roughly 40% above normal levels. Wow. And so those supplies include things like masks and gowns, gloves, IVs, surgical kits. So we've expedited hundreds of shipments of visors and N95 masks and gowns to hospitals and also to places like fire departments and police stations, assisted living centers all over the U.S. In addition, we partnered with Ford Motor Company when, as their transportation partner um, when their PPE program launched and we continue to partner with them. So we're flexible and agile and we've got fantastic partners and this allows us to solve tough problems. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, the right time, right place, all of that needs to happen when it needs to happen. And if it doesn't happen at the time, it's too little too late. So that's really amazing how quickly, you know, you guys have to pivot and support what the need of the hour is at the time and how that keeps iterating as you go. So that's really amazing. What I'd love to talk about is uh, your people. I mean, it's really heartwarming uh, to read so many different examples of folks working on the front lines, right? Um, folks doing the actual work that's literally helping save lives. It, it, it's only been in the past year that we've uh, started using the phrase essential worker, but it's really become evident why that makes perfect sense. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, about the effort uh, that they were putting in uh, and your thoughts on it. I really appreciate you bringing up this topic. I think it's it's one of the most important things that's, that's going on right now is just recognizing the people who are making this happen. The pandemic changed life as we know it, and it put a spotlight, just like you said, on like the essential nature of the business and of our people. So as you know, in this industry, we celebrate the important work that happens in supply chain, transportation, and logistics, like inside the industry. But over the course of the pandemic, this spotlight has been shined on the criticality of this whole industry and its people. So I think our frontline workers are now being appreciated in a whole new way and much more broadly. And our people, our people in logistics and transportation, along with thousands of other people in healthcare work, grocery work, pharmaceuticals, delivery workers, they all stepped up and fortunately are being really recognized for that. So they really kept doing their jobs so we can all be safe and comfortable. Their commitment has been something that we've applauded and I'm so grateful now that it's being applauded more broadly. So our people know that their help it, you know, that they're helping people, that their work is important, that they're saving lives. And I frankly think that's like the biggest morale booster you can get as a team. So our team realizes it's a global effort that's taken place to move the world forward. And I am incredibly proud of the way that our team has risen up to this challenge every single day. That's amazing. Definitely massive kudos to them, right? You, other executives across other companies in the industry can do uh, all the strategy planning that needs to happen. If the work actually doesn't get done, then, uh, then it's all for naught. So that's actually that's amazing. Let's zoom outside of vaccines and the pandemic as it's happening at the moment. In the future, do you think that there's anything in the world of supply chain will permanently be changed as a result of this pandemic? I absolutely do. Um, you know, we're really optimistic as we start 2021 and kind of get moving, hopefully past this. But we expect the pace, the very fast pace of online shopping to continue after COVID is behind us. We're seeing e-commerce volumes today that 
had been predicted for 2025 e-commerce volume. So we have accelerated, we've seen um, e-commerce trade accelerate four plus years. So we're helping customers respond to what we believe is going to be more permanent shifts in consumer behavior in ways like, you know, there's changes to the order preparation and inventory management that are happening right now. Um, there's a rapid development of omni-channel strategies with both B2C and B2B um, businesses. The pure play e-commerce customers are needing more capacity, both in terms of transportation and, of course, in, in warehousing and distribution space. Uh, we've seen brick and mortar retailers developing online storefronts or growing an existing website, so they're going to need to be able to expand their distribution capabilities. And I also think that contactless delivery is going to remain an option. Um, this is a way where we can kind of respect all parties involved wishes. Um, and so thanks to the XPO Connect technology platform, those choices will be as simple for consumers as checking a box. So we've actually received a lot of feedback from customers that they appreciate our approach to maintaining their safety and comfort as well as protecting our own teams with that contactless delivery. So our technology you know, helps customers plan for the future and meet these rapidly changing demand and complex supply chain needs. That's awesome. I, uh, I also noticed a lot of what you said sounded very much from the point of view of a shipper, right? I uh, was doing a little bit, you know, I, I obviously know that you've been uh, on the other side as well. Uh, I believe that you worked at uh, Johnson Controls before. So I, I, I'm curious, uh, as, as a shipper, what, what do you think the conversations might be in the boardrooms of, uh, of shipper companies and therefore how they interact with providers like XPO for the future supply chain. I think that those conversations are really strategic right now, thinking about, okay, we've accelerated four plus years in the e-commerce and online space. Number one, if we're not in that space, we probably need to think about, you know, is our, do we have a business model to support it? And if not, should we? I think those are some of the discussions. I would also say that the people who are um, in the space and who have accelerated so quickly, which many of the largest shippers really have, have just taken this in, and moved it in an incredible way very quickly, are looking at, you know, where do we need to have, where, how do we get product to a customer faster? How do we forward stock? How do we manage our inventory in much more significant quantities? Because, you know, the consumer is expecting very quick response when they're buying something online. So how do we make sure that we can meet those needs and maintain the integrity of our products and our supply chain? So, those are really complex problems, and I think that the scale of those, those challenges can, will continue to grow, but I believe that the, the shipper and transportation and logistics partnerships will make that happen, and I think that those conversations are happening all over the country and all over the world right now. That's awesome. Final and most important question. Personally, what is it that you missed most from the pre-COVID world and what needs to happen for you to be able to say, hey, you know what, this is behind us? Getting folks inoculated so that everyone can be comfortable, our teachers can be comfortable, our the students, you know, everyone that's going into the office, everyone that's entering someone's home to, to drop off a delivery, everyone that can feel comfortable going into the grocery store, going back to concerts, you know, just life in general, kind of getting back to, I'll use air quotes, normal. I think the most important thing that can happen is the vaccine rollout continuing to happen and, and everyone becoming eligible and, and being able to take advantage of that. Wonderful. That makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for taking out the time to chat with me, Katrina. This uh, has been really lovely and I appreciate so very much all of the work uh, that you guys are doing in order to make our world a lot more safer and so we can start the healing process or what's been a very, very tough year for all of us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. That is it for today from us at the Vaccine Challenge. 
we continue to work towards our mission of bringing to light all of the supply chain and distribution challenges that can help speed up the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccines world over. If you're doing anything worthwhile in this space, have any suggestions of who you should talk to or any other ways that we can improve the podcast, please write to us at contact us at thevaccinechallenge.com. Until then, stay safe, stay responsible. This is us signing off from the Vaccine Challenge.